Wait, Did you that? see that? <gasps> what? Yeah. What is this? What? Oh my gosh, what's going on? No, no. This is the part that's scary because nothing's happening. <laughs> oh! Oh, oh my gosh. <gasps> no! <laughs> no! That was scary. That was scary. That was scary. It's time for girls and ghouls. Okay, let's talk about it. Hey guys! Hi! I'm so excited. <laughs> We're like freaking out just a little bit. I know. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. This is our first one. I shouldn't be this excited because it's like creepy. <laughs> yeah, you're kind of you're kind of ruining the creepy vibe here, but it's okay. <laughs> we'll get right back to it. I promise. <laughs> it won't take long to get right back into the creeptasticness of the whole thing. Um. I'm Kirsten. I'm Erin. And this is the very first Girls and Ghouls podcast. We're just so excited. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's so funny because this was not on my radar. Like at any point in time before this week <laughs> where I was like, you know what? Let's have a ghost podcast. Let's just do it. Let's just we do were, it. We were, yeah, we're, we're business partners and we're also best friends. And we both like ghost stories and paranormal and like the occult and just weird, freaky stuff. And we were doing something else online this week. And we just happened to get off on this tangent of like ghost stories. And then after we, it was a Facebook live. And after we finished it, we were like, oh my God, we should do a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because we're podcasters anyway, but it's like businessy. Yeah. So this is just fun and creepy. And amazing. And all that we love. Amazing. I'm so excited. So excited. So since this is our very first episode, we decided that we would do like a hometown kind of haunting story. Um, yeah. So we've each picked one from like, I picked one from Savannah because I'm from Savannah. I spent the first 21 years of my life in Savannah, Georgia. I live in Atlanta area now, but I picked a Savannah story and you picked one by you. Yep, I picked one from uh, from Spring City, which is not super far. I've never lived there, but I live in Pennsylvania, and Pennsylvania is just full of fun stories. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I feel like we could, I could stay in Savannah for like months. Yeah, with just ghost stories. Yeah, like I could just talk about Savannah ghost stories for months because it's one of the more haunted cities in the country. I think right. it's like second to St. Augustine, Florida, or something. Really? Like there's. Yeah, there's like a lot of stuff out of Savannah. So wow. well, I'm, I'm pretty excited. excited. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Yay. Yay. So how do we want to start? How do we want to start? I don't know. Should we like flip a coin? Who goes first? I don't know. <laughs> I guess. We put a lot of thought into this. We spent like the past <laughs> like 48 hours just like fully immersed in looking and researching Yep. So now we're just going to wing this episode. Yeah. So we've got notes and. Which is new for I'm us. So I excited. think we should just point that out. We don't even yeah, have we notes don't for usually... this podcast. 
We don't. We don't have notes. We just like, what are we talking about? And this is the topic. And then we talk about it for an hour. And that's pretty much it. So this is very different. Like we had to do research and homework and like cite our sources and all this crazy stuff. Like it's kind of cool though. I dig it. I feel legit right now. (laughs) I know. So um, yeah, we're just gonna, we'll get started. You want me to go first? I'll go first. You go first. I'll go first. Yay. Yay. So I am going to be talking about the Sorrel Weed House in Savannah, Georgia. I'm already scared. It's pretty creepy. So the Sorrel Weed House is like the most haunted place in Savannah. Of all mm-hmm. the haunted places in Savannah. It's the most haunted. The most. Okay. So yeah, there's like more stories coming out of this place than any other place. It's pretty creeptastic. And you can go on tours there and stuff. And Ooh. you can even do like like paranormal studies and like you can spend the night, I think. And yeah, it's kind of nope. cool. Okay. Nope. <laughs> All right. So let me tell you about the house first. Most of this about the house I got from Wikipedia. So, and I, I've like referenced it with other stuff, like on the official Sorrel Reed website and all that. So it's legit. Okay. So it's also known as the Francis Sorrell house. Um, he was the one who paid to have this house built. It's 16,000 square feet. So it's one of the largest homes in Savannah, Georgia. It's massive. Um, it was built in 1838, completed in 1840. And that's when the Sorrell family moved in. Um, the southernmost, okay, I'm going to read this right for my notes or I'll mess it up. The southernmost point of the British horseshoe shaped earthen fortifications during the siege of Savannah, during the revolutionary war were located in what was later developed into Madison square, which is right across. Like that's where this house is, is right at Madison square. So there's a good possibility that a lot of that battle took place on the grounds of where the Sorrell house was built. Um, And as they were building the house, they have uncovered um, like uniform parts bones, weapon parts, all these things that were buried under the ground where they broke ground to build this house. Um, So a lot of revolutionary war action, some civil war action was seen there, all kinds of stuff. Um, The Sorrell Weed House was the boyhood home of Brigadier General Moxley Sorrell, who was the youngest Brigadier General in the Confederate Army. And he fought for the Confederate States of America during the Civil War. Um, his dad is Francis Sorrell, and that's who had this house built. And his dad, Francis, and General Robert E. Lee were buddies. They would just, like, hang out all the time. Um, Robert E. Lee visited the home in late 1861 and early 1862. He and Francis Sorrell had been friends since the early 1830s. Um, he visited them often and even just a few months before he passed away. Mm-hmm. Um, the opening scenes of Forrest Gump were filmed on the roof of this house. Oh my gosh. So like the feather that floats off the roof and you see all of downtown Savannah, that's off of the roof of the Francis Sorrell house. Oh, pretty fun. Fun fact. Um, Okay. The house has been investigated by taps. Um, HGTV. If walls could talk featured this house, Zach Baggins and his whole crew from ghost adventures um, went to this house and investigated. And Zach Baggins said that it gave him a quote, three alarm hangover that took him days to recover from. Um, it was on the travel channels, most terrifying places in America and the Paula Dean network as one of the most haunted places. So it's, it's seen some action. Wait, <laughs> hold on. The what network? The Paula Dean network. Isn't that like the butter lady? 
<laughs> she's from Savannah. She has the Paula Deen restaurant. She has uh, something family and sons. Wow. Yeah. Family and sons restaurant. So, and she has now a network and a magazine and the, yeah, she likes butter. The woman likes her butter. Okay. So she likes butter and, and ghosts. We've decided. Yeah. So apparently she has a network on TV. Okay. I did not know that. She did. I didn't either, but she did at least two, three years ago in 2015. Cause she featured this house on there as one of the most terrifying places in America. Yeah. Okay. Okay. It's pretty creepy. Yeah. All right. So now let me tell you about the family. The family. All right. See, now the that, that sounds pretty foreboding. I'm just saying. <laughs> There's some stuff going on with the family. They're kind of weird. Okay. Oh, my God. Francis Sorrell. What? That just sounds, it just sounds creepy. Like, I don't even, I don't know if I want to know the family. family. The fa- well, you have to know the family to know the ghost story. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Getting a little, like, creeped out over there. I'm like, oh. <laughs> it's awesome. Okay. <laughs> It doesn't get creepy until like 30 years into their marriage. Oh, all right. that's all. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> so Francis Sorrell actually grew up in the West Indies. He was a wealthy plantation owner. And then he moved over to Savannah. Um, I don't have specific dates as far as like how old he was or whatever. But when he moved to Savannah, he met and married 17-year-old Lucinda Moxley. Well, there was this problem. She was too young. Yeah. I'm just so saying. that's not the weirdest part. <laughs> Met and married 17-year-old Lucinda Moxley. Five years after their marriage, she died. I don't have any notes on why. I don't know if she got sick or whatever, but she got she died five years into their marriage. In 1829, Francis married his dead wife's younger sister, Matilda. You know, I mean, maybe, maybe it was just he was so overcome with grief. It's what you do. It's just what you do. I mean, he, met, he didn't have any choice. Yeah. You know, you know it, just, it happens. So... She was 23 <laughs> when they got married. So, well, yeah, he, she married her. Yeah. Well, she was the younger sister, though. Oh, so it's, oh that's true. The student, yeah. I guess that was the time, though. It just feels I mean, weird to me now. It does. Yeah. So, um, so Matilda married her dead sister's widowed husband. Um, they were married for a very long time, though. Very long time. Like 30 plus years. Um so he he was a ship merchant in Savannah, and he became one of the more prominent citizens of Savannah, very wealthy. Um, he, okay, during his marriage, so, okay, let me go back to the house a little bit. He built this house, um, huge mansion, as I said, 16,000 square feet. There was a courtyard out back, so picture it. You're looking at the house. There's two terrace levels, right? There's a full basement that's all bricked in. That's where a lot of the slaves would hang out down there. That, that was like their kitchen area was in the basement and all this stuff. And some living quarters mm-hmm. for the slaves. Two terraces on the front, big columns, parlor, you know, all fancy, whatever. Right. And there was a courtyard out back that had like the paving stones in it. And then he eventually built, um, several years after they moved in, he built a carriage house out back by the courtyard and his teenage sons would live there. And it's rumored that that's also where he kept Molly, the, lo- the young slave girl that he was having an affair with. Oh, the plot thickens. Yeah. Yes. Dun, dun, dun. So dun, dun, he dun. put Molly 
in one of the rooms in the carriage house. So whenever he felt like going over and seeing Molly, they could go have their little love affair and nobody would know. <sighs> okay. That's not, that's so not he cool, had, dude. Not cool, Francis. Not cool. He's a not womanizer. Cool. Yeah. I was just (laughs) watching Britney Spears videos before we started recording. And I watched that one. Nice. (laughs) So it's only appropriate. That's right. Because he's a womanizer. So he had this long going affair with Molly. Um, She had special quarters up above the carriage house. So she didn't have to live in the, the murky basement, whatever, with all the other slaves. Um, All right. Here's where it starts to get good. we got to pay attention to dates. So okay. June 14th, 1859, Francis Sorrell sells the house on the corner to Henry D. Weed for $23,000, which now that's half a million dollars. Half a million dollars he sells this house for. Wow. So there are some stories that say he moved his family next door at that time. Mm-hmm. Um. And I did a whole lot of digging on this. So I I found stuff on ghostsavannah.com. I found stuff on sorrelweedhouse.com. A lot of different sources that I found. Hauntedplaces.org. And there's a lot of like conflicting stories. So some stories say that he sold the house in 1859. He moved the family next door. And then what I'm going to tell you in just a minute happened at the other house. But after I dug around and dug around and dug around, what I really found out happened, at least is this is what I think is fact. He sells the house in 1859, but he continues to live there because there's all these different renovations and things that have to be done before the weed family moves in. Mm-hmm. Because when he built that carriage house, it was kind of attached to the main house. Right. And so he, like, there were, I don't know, specific renovations, but something about having to separate the properties because it was Mm -hmm. such a massive property and he only sold part of it to the weed house, to to the weed family or something like that. Right. And there were also some business dealings because um, Henry Weed was a merchant as well. He had a merchant shop. And so there were some business dealings that had to be sorted out, all kinds of weird stuff, right? So... He sells the house in 1859, but they continued to live there for about three more years. Mm -hmm. And we know that is backed up because that's when Robert E. Lee came to visit was in 1861 and 62 at the Sorrell house, not the house next door. Okay. So we know that they were still, you kind of tell that they were still living in there. And that's important because I'm going to tell you something. Okay. So they continued to live in the mansion. Different alterations were being done. Um, Henry Weed did not move in until 1862, and that's when Sorrell moved his entire family next door into 12 West Harris Street. Okay. Francis and Molly were still having their little love affair. Maybe it was love. Like, and it was for real love this time. But he's still married to Matilda, and they have children together. Oh, screw and he's running around with Molly. So here's what happened. So what had happened was, this is when it gets good. All right. March, March of 1860, Francis and Molly were discovered by Matilda in the (gasps) act. Oh, poor Matilda. Mm -hmm. So they'd been married for 30 years at this point. And she walks in on her husband having sex with a slave girl. Mm -hmm. And she was so enraged by this that she climbed to the second story terrace and jumped off into the courtyard and killed herself. Oh my gosh. Yes. 
So she leapt from the second story balcony. No, Matilda. Bashing her head against the flagstone courtyard and she killed herself. Oh my gosh. And then Where were yeah. her friends? So you you want to sit with that for a minute? Where were her friends? I want to know. Like, were women so alone back then? Like, I can't even think about that. Like, she's like, I've just discovered this. She's running to the house. No one stopped her. Because you know they had, like, help. They had help. Yeah. No one stopped her and was like, but, girl, you're a strong, independent woman who don't need a man. But don't it was with a slave girl. A slave it girl. was with a slave girl. Right. Nobody wanted to talk about that. Right. Like, that right. would have put so much shame on her family had anybody outside of their family found out that her husband of 30 years, who had fathered all of her children, was having an affair with a slave girl. Oh like, that gosh. would have put so much shame on them. Oh, my gosh. So, I don't woman. know if this was, like, days later. She was just filled with rage, and she jumped off, or if it was, like, immediately she sees them, she runs up and jumps off and kills herself. Like, I don't know the time frame there. Right? I want to know. I know. I, was, I tried to find it, but I don't know. Because oh, it man. says that on March March 27th, 1860 is when she killed herself. Um, but I don't know if that's like the day that she discovered it or if she right. sat with it for a little while. And he was like, I'm sorry. I'll buy you diamonds. It'll be fine. I don't know. I have no chocolates. idea. I mean. Really? So, Come on, yeah. Francis. Um, a few weeks later. A few weeks after the grisly death of Matilda Sorrell, Molly was found hung in the basement. Did she do it herself? Supposedly she did it herself. But if you go back and think about Francis Sorrell and his like reputation, not only was he a womanizer, mm -hmm. but he was a very wealthy ship merchant, one of the richest and more prominent right. citizens of Savannah. And had people found out mm -hmm. what happened he probably mm -hmm. would have lost a lot of that, like, pomp. So there's some stories that say she was hanged, and there's other stories that say she committed suicide. Oh, my gosh. So within a few weeks, his wife jumps off the second-story balcony, kills herself on the, on the courtyard pavement, and then oh Molly is hanged in the basement. Some places, some of these stories said she was hanged in the carriage house, hanging from a noose, Others say it was suicide in the basement, whatever. We don't know. Okay. So that all happened. And then after all of that, Sorrel moves into the house next door. The Weed family moves in. Right. Shabam. All this. Shabam. Okay. So the Weed family still owned the property until like 1914 or something. And then it, it's exchanged hands a few times. And now it's a museum. And you can go there during the day to see how they have um, like restored the house to its original state right. and all of this. And you can go at night and you can do like investigations with paranormal people. So there's all these different things you can do now. So I have a lot of different sources for the haunting stories. Okay. But they're good. Okay. So... Um, all right, here we go. You ready? I'm ready. You ready? You ready? Because it's creepy. All right. So people claim to see shadowy figures in the windows. Okay. They'll hear voices when there's nobody in the house. Um, some people have even said, like, there's one guy, I think he's like a caretaker that lives upstairs. And he said that he'll hear what sounds like a party going on downstairs. He'll even hear the music from the 1800s. No. And people having full conversations. No. And he'll get halfway down the stairs and it just stops. Well, he's a party and pooper. That's probably what, what's going on, Mike. <laughs> 
They're like, so, don't let like, this buddy daddy come. Like, keep in mind, like I said, the Sorrell family was a very prominent family in Savannah back then. And it was a massive house and they would have these get togethers. And so I've been, I was watching these videos about it. And they had like the traditional parlor with the double doors and then it led into another like sitting area. And so when they would have parties, they would open that up and put these long tables that would go all the way through and you'd sit there and eat and drink and have a great time. And then when that part was over, they'd close the parlor doors. The men would hang out in the parlor and smoke cigars and talk and there'd be a band in there playing music. And then the women would go into the sitting room and have their little girl talk time. And that's what people hear. People will hear that happening still like echoes of these parties (laughs) oh my gosh there is a lady i'm like i'm not not even like invited to the ghost party i know it's like i just want to come guys you don't have to stop keep i just want to come hang out i like the music it's good robert e lee can come too i don't care (laughs) um there's a lady in white apparition that's said to appear in one of the parlors as well as, I love this, a gaggle of grand dame ghosts <laughs> who also occupy the a ladies' what? parlor. And they don't, a grand dame, a gaggle of grand dame ghosts. They don't there like the tours. They disapprove oh. of the tours. Mm-hmm. They're like, y'all messing up my house. I just dusted. What y'all Can doing? Can Can't you touching not? that picture. <laughs> Can you just not? Um... This one's the part that freaks me out, okay? Because we already said there's like weapons parts, uniform parts, bones have been found when they were building the house. They shadow people, whatever. This part is the part that freaks me out. Many people feel a strange sensation of nausea and choking in the basement. <gasps> no! Oh my gosh. Where Miss Molly was hanged. Do they, do they get headaches when they go outside? They get massive headaches. They consider oh, themselves, if you can, like... No, they do. They get headaches. They get nauseous. They get very dizzy and they feel like they're being choked. Oh my gosh. And then um, some people, it says those who consider themselves um, sensitive to like psychic energy, they get anxious and panicky for no reason. Right. Um, And all the time, pretty much during every tour, People complain that their fully charged cell phones and cameras die. The batteries just get depleted. Oh, my gosh. Like within a few seconds, like it'll just shut off. No. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Um, Okay. This is a direct quote. So Zach Baggins from Ghost Adventures, he said, our investigation of the Sorrell Weed House in Savannah, Georgia, gave me a three alarm hangover. It was very similar to a real one. Headache, nausea, dizziness, throbbing, memory loss, but weirder. I can usually gauge how bad my hangover is going to be by the interactions I have with spirits during a lockdown, but this one threw me for a loop. Oh, my God. Yeah. So I watched the episode that they did on the Sorrel Weed House. Right. And there are two times that they're trying to talk to whoever, whatever spirits are there. You audibly mm-hmm. hear a woman in the basement say hello. No. And you audibly hear a man in the parlor say basement. <gasps> no. Like not through the EVP, like me and you standing here talking. Like you audibly hear hello and then basement. It's so freaking awesome. <laughs> 
It's awesome. Oh my gosh. And during that same investigation, they were out in the courtyard where they had set up like the tent and all the equipment and everything. And Aaron mm -hmm. came in, the guy, Aaron, that's one of their video not people me. or whatever. Not you. Aaron came in and he doubled over in pain and grabbed his side. And he goes, oh my God, I feel like I just got stabbed. And a lot of people have reported that. And when they lifted his shirt, he had like a two inch red line on his ribs as if it was like from being jabbed by a bayonet. Oh, F that. No, I'd be out. <laughs> no. I mm -mm. love it. I love it. Okay. We're I'm not playing done. with no angry ghosts. <laughs> nope. Yeah. So they have the whole Matilda Molly thing and they mm -hmm. have Civil War and Revolutionary War soldiers. Oh, so like. Bayonet style stabbing. Yes. Yeah. 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 Because mm -hmm. remember, they found all these uniform parts and bones and right. stuff when they were building. So it's built on the last resting place of some of no. these Revolutionary War soldiers. Ugh. And then so you this place found was just like that asking with. For it. Well, this is all Savannah. All of Savannah is built on Revolutionary War asking. battlegrounds. Yeah. yeah. And, and then you compound that with Matilda's suicide and mm -hmm. Molly's suicide or murder and the whole love affair stuff, right. all the emotions that go with it. Yeah. I mean, it's, there's a lot going on. Mm -hmm. Okay. Atlanta. People report being physically touched. <laughs> and it's like a light shadows. tap on the shoulder. Like, Hi. Oh, you're going to freak out. Hold on. No, One no, tour guide no. quit after her first day because she was touched constantly throughout the day when she was giving tours, constantly being touched. And another was touched on the face. No. On the face? On the face. Another was touched on the face and had sharp pain in her stomach as if being stabbed. She was touched on the face. Don't touch I'm my face. Why is that so much worse? That feels oh, so much oh. worse. Oh, oh, it really does. Living people touching my face. I know. Don't touch my face. Oh, God. Oh, my gosh. Okay. So, yeah, the guy who lives upstairs, he's heard the sound of a party, social gathering. He hears people talking and laughing and music. He hears footsteps all the time. Um, let's see. Uh, shadow people in the basement sounds. Oh, there's also a couch down there in the basement. Yeah. And a lot of people will report when they sit on the couch, they feel somebody sit down next to them and they can visibly see the springs go down. <laughs> they just want to yeah. chat. They just want to sit and yeah, hang out. They just want to hang out. So what they'll, would you they'll, do? I would shit myself. That's <laughs> what I would do. <laughs> <laughs> I would shit myself and I would run out of the house screaming. <laughs> I think that's, yeah. I feel like I mean, that would be like my reaction too. I would be terrified. <laughs> I mean, you just sit down and he's like, hey, you're in my spot. <laughs> he just sits down. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. No, no, he's, no. he just sits there. He's like, hey girl. Hey, <laughs> hey girl. Puts his hand on your knee and nope. then caresses your face. <laughs> I'd be out. I'd be out. No. Don't so, touch yeah. my face. Um, uh, yeah, so the whole the whole Ghost Adventures episode, it's pretty freaktastic. Um, I'll put a link in the show notes if you want to go watch that episode because it's really freaking good. No, don't. Um, <laughs> yeah, you should. Because I'm going to. I'm going to watch um, it and not and sleep. I, I know. It's so good. 
Like it's really good. And I think we need to go on a tour there. It's awesome. So, um, yeah. So Francis Sorrell was the womanizer who made his wife commit suicide. And then I, I'm pretty sure that he had Molly killed. I can only imagine because of the time that they were yeah. living in, he probably had her hanged and it just looked like a suicide. Right. So, yep. That is the story <clears throat> of the Sorrell weed house in Savannah, Georgia. Oh my gosh. That's crazy. I love it. I love it so much. The whole like no. face touching thing. That gets me. I don't know why that gets me. I'm no, not, I, I can't. I would probably cry. I would cry. Mm-hmm. I think like there are very few things that I think I would just like literally like I would be petrified into like two year old state. Right? <laughs> but I think having something yeah. touching my face would and I, I, that's just so unnerving. So unnerving. Ugh. Like when the the ghost adventures people were there and you, like, you know, they go in the daytime first and they get a tour from somebody who right. works there. Right. When they did that, the woman who was walking them around and telling them about the house and stuff, she got visibly sick and had to sit down several times during the tour. What? Yeah. Is she like, like, can I just, she was like, can I just sit down for a minute? I just need... I just need a minute. And like, you could tell she was trying to catch her breath and she was like, See, really that just upset. Tells me, like, no, like you need to not be there. Mm-hmm. If you're getting physically like ill in a place, there's something wrong. There is a oh. negative energy telling you to, that this is not your place. Like you need to scoot your boot on out of there, put some hustle in that mm-hmm. bustle and leave. Yeah. No. So it's pretty creepy. No. Yeah. It's pretty creepy. And people have reported seeing shadows of like a woman, uh, run across the front terrace and then she just vanishes. There's there's all kinds of stuff. There's tons of pictures out there where people take pictures and there's that orb in them. Yeah. Um, yeah. All that stuff. So all kinds of weirdness happening. Ooh. So Sorrel Weed House, y'all. There it is. Just saying. There it yeah, is. It's pretty creepy. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. So my story is a little more like depressing than it is drama. But it's a good one. It's a really good one. Okay. Um, and it's one that actually makes me legitimately angry when I read it because of the outcome, like what happened to to everything in the end and what's oh, continuing gosh. to happen right now with it. So oh, gosh. I am okay. talking. Yeah. My story is about the Pennhurst State School and Hospital. And it's one of the oldest. It's like the second oldest hospital in Pennsylvania. Um, so it opened in 1908 and it opened to be kind of a, a middle house because they realized that the actual asylums, the ones for people who were, you know, really insane, they were overcrowded people who weren't necessarily that crazy. So they were like, you know what, we need to have this other hospital and it's going to be for those like halfway people. And it was actually called, it was originally called the Eastern Pennsylvania State Institution for the Feeble-Minded and the Epileptic. So they had people who... Oh, my God. Right. That's what it was called. They had people who had like ADD, ADHD. Um, If you had a speech impediment, you could be put in Yeah, back then, like, even if you had migraines, they would commit you. Right. Well, they they thought that that was like hysteria and stuff if you had migraines. Mm -hmm. So they had uh, kids with Down syndrome... You know, all of these people that were sent to this hospital and it was supposed to improve the lives of 
the people that were in actual asylum facilities and get care for people who didn't need as much care. And it became what they would call a womb to tomb facility. Babies would be left there. It was completely self-sustaining. They had oh farms and stuff. Yep, the workers lived there. And, um, you know, parents would bring their kids and just leave them, never see them again. Uh, they had patients working, you know, to help keep things going. And on the outside, it looked like this is a, you know, this isn't bad. Like the first year or so, it was, you know, it, it started with good intentions, as all things do. Um, but within four years, the facility was forced to accept um, immigrants, orphans, and criminals that would not fit in prisons. They, they just... Oh, no. So we've got this mix then of people all locked into this facility, which led to severe overcrowding. It was only meant to hold, I think it was like 1,100 people. Um, oh, wait, let's see here. Yeah, so it was supposed to have 1,100 people. They ended up with 2,627 people. A little in, slight overcrowding problem. Just a little overcrowding. And they would categorize <laughs> all these people. Yeah, they'd categorize all these people kind of like um, kind of like cattle, I feel like. When they brought people in, they were either an imbecile or insane. So they've completely gone away with the whole like, oh, it's only people who are in this little tiny category. They've got everyone from slight lisp to schizophrenia all in the same area. You've got healthy versus epileptic. So... Because, you know, even if you were just epileptic, you'd be put in. You could be completely mentally, like, typical and put in. And then they would also um, rate your dental care. Like, you had good teeth or you had bad teeth, which I think is a weird thing. Oh, my God. That's odd. It's totally (laughs) odd. So people started noticing that, like, when they would come to visit, that, you know, some of the patients would be worse than before. Or they noticed that kids were starting, like little kids were starting to commit suicide and whatnot. Patients were committing suicide. Women were getting pregnant, despite the fact that they kept men and women in separate buildings to prevent pregnancy. So in the 1960s, they did, uh, it was, uh, I think, NBC. I have to look on Wikipedia. All this is from Wikipedia. Um, They did a five- piece expose on the Pennhurst State School and Hospital because one of the residents had left, one of the patients had left and she sued. She said, you know, this was the worst. And so this was in what year? The six in nineteen sixty? In the sixties. And, and they it was still running. It was still running. Holy shit. Still running. <laughs> yeah. So they did this expose and they went in and they uh, they called the the piece "Suffer the Little Children" because what they found was so incredibly evil. Honestly, is what was going on in there, and it disturbed people so much that it's what swept in the mental health facility reform. That's where all the laws came from. Was from this expose when they found what was going on. They had adults tied to or changed to adult sized cribs, which is. Crazy. Oh my god. Children kept in cages. Oh my god. Right? Awful stuff. Awful stuff. So they've got children kept in cages. They have um 
They've got people in who actually don't have any mental disabilities still at this point. We had people who were blind or who were deaf or, you know, they just were dumped off there as children and left there. Um, the orderlies and the doctors have problem patients and they punish them by turning the other more physically violent and disturbed patients on them. So we've got children getting beaten to death by older patients. And then one of the doctors came forward and he decided to take part in this because he had a lot of guilt for not saying anything before. But one of the patients had gotten out of hand and the, I guess another doctor had come in and asked him, what injection can I give that will cause the most discomfort? And he told him what it was. And then they administered the injection to someone as the oh punishment. Oh my God. Right. So this is all going oh on. This is Tons awful. of abuse. Awful, awful. Tons of abuse. Despite all of that abuse, the facility stayed open until 1986. What? Mm-hmm. It wasn't closed until 1986. The care oh never, Ugh. never improved. Never improved at all. The, the death rate was really, really high. They have, all of the records are public. Like, you can go look for Penhurst State Hospital records, and they have scanned copies available online for everything. There are reports of, uh, you know, accidental beatings, um, where she was swinging a stick around. She was just trying to get the heater button, but she accidentally beat one of the residents. They actually stopped yeah, okay. referring to them. <laughs> yeah, they stopped referring to them as patients and started calling them inmates. And when they interviewed some of the people there, they one of the questions asked was, if you could have anything in the world right now, what would it be? And they expected some of these people to be like, oh, a bowl of ice cream or to get a kitten. And the man who answered said, to get out of Penhurst. That's all I want is to leave Penhurst. And that's just how bad it was. It continued to stay bad leave. until 86. They, they, they wouldn't let leave. them leave at all? They wouldn't let them leave if they were signed in, like, especially if they were dropped off by parents, you know, they would sit there and say that these people were not mentally stable enough to be discharged and whatever. It was literally womb to tomb care. Womb to tomb so care. So it was just a torture facility, really? Pretty much. Yeah, pretty much a torture facility. Um, and it was so remotely located, like it wasn't a place where people were often going. And they didn't have to leave. No one had to leave. You know, people would just stay and live there and die there. So they finally close in 86 and it spends, it's it, it, like, it stays kind of just like a, an abandoned place for a little while. And then the military buys part of it to use as offices. For some reason, nobody could get anything done around there. People were getting sick all the time and they couldn't figure out why. And one of the people that they interviewed that they were asking questions like, why didn't, why didn't your family stay there? The girl, because she was a little girl at the time, she's an adult now, she said, you could hear people screaming before you even got to doors. Oh. So, <laughs> right. So it was eventually, I mean, I think the military still owns that sector because it's this whole sprawling facility, like tons of buildings and everything. I think the military still owns one sector of it, but it has since been abandoned. It's not being used. So this is where things start to get like iffy and why I, what made me so angry about it. It was recently purchased in the past couple of years by a businessman who heard all the gruesome stories about Penhurst 
and he bought it like a the main building and turned it into a haunted house attraction and he's got people dressing up as doctors and he's doing like fake lobotomies and this is something like it's disgusting that he's doing it because they were doing lobotomies with ice picks oops they were doing lobotomies (laughs) with ice picks in this facility like terrible things like for real and he's turned it into this mockery thing and he's like oh it's um, it's a memorial and a reminder of what we don't do but the argument is that a it's disgusting and b Mm -hmm. the people are still there reminding you they've got a paranormal research team there all the time because of all of the the things that have happened so the thing that ha- that people started noticing is that you hear voices like you can go in and you can actually call and you can ask if you can tour because it's structurally safe still. You can still walk through it. Um, mm-hmm. It's been kept up in that way. Um, so people do tours. They'll go in and you can just, you know, it's not like a pay to play thing. You just go and you'll hear voices and you'll think someone's there, but there's like not anybody. They'll think like it's their friend or something. So one website, it is. I'll put it in the notes. Uh, It's just a young couple. They went in and they were going to do EVP stuff, but instead they just used a regular like voice recorder and they started asking questions and recording and you can hear audibly responses back. Voices saying, why are you here? Please leave, you know, or, or help us. Just random things. You can hear screaming on them. And it's every single recording. She's got like eight recordings of responses and screaming and noise. And she have goosebumps it was one right of them. now. I'm yeah, right. I'm like terrified. Right? Isn't that that's horrifying? So that's not even the worst of it. Like they they have all these different buildings, and they say one of the people. Um, it's one of the people who runs the the Penhurst Paranormal Association. She says that most of the the spirits there are spirits of children, and they'll try to talk to you and they'll touch you as you're walking through the children's wards. And the children's wards are very. They were locked down. They were kept separate as much as possible because they uh, many of them were not able to like toilet themselves or anything like. You know, it it was just a mess, Mm -hmm. but the walls are painted up like a circus, you know, very old style circus paintings. And you'll go in and things will move. One person was in doing a repair. Does that mean that there's clowns, like clowns painted on the walls? Because I can't handle clowns. There are no clowns. It's like a tent and some animal, like an elephant. Like you can find pictures. But one worker was in that room and he was trying to repair something because they were, they try to keep the facility intact because it's a historical landmark too. And -hmm. he was trying to fix something so that people didn't get hurt that were going in. And he went to get his screwdriver out of his back pocket. And when he went to grab it, the screwdriver was gone, but there was a spoon in his pocket. And he has no idea how it got there. Kid you not, found a spoon in his pocket. And he said that it wasn't scary for him because he had heard laughter every so often or he'd hear crying and he knew that they were kids. So he would just talk out loud to them like, you know, you can leave. You don't have to be here anymore. And and a lot of the time it would go quiet if he would start talking. So he wasn't afraid of them. But then there are other people who have had more frightening experiences. The husband of the lady who runs the paranormal association uh, did a tour of the basement because they have their morgue, 
their um, exam rooms and a series of tunnels underground. And that's how they would transport people from building to building. They wouldn't leave. They would go underground. So he's in the basement and he is physically shoved. No one's there. She saw him get shoved forward and she thought he tripped. He had not tripped. Something shoved him. And then no, thanks. as they yep. As they continue, yep, they hear something telling them to get out, to leave. And a rock goes flying across and hits her husband. Oh my mm-hmm. God. So she I'm sorry, but it would not there. take much. Wouldn't take no. much for me to I'd be like, you don't have to tell me twice. I'm (laughs) I'm gone. Peace out. Peace out. I'm done. I'm not doing it. I'll leave. I'll leave. So you can, you can actually go onto YouTube. You can go onto, because it was on a couple of different shows. I think it was on, um, hold on, let me see here. It's been on a lot. They like to go to this place quite a bit. The, the ghost adventures is one. And, um, yeah. So, there are lots of videos and recordings of people, you know, wandering around. There's a, a girl that lives in one building that you can see pretty much every time you go. Um, she's a small child with long black hair and she hunches over with long dangling arms, they say, and she just looks at you, which is. That is so freaking scary. Yep. I mean, Ghosts are scary anyway, but ghost children, that's scarier to me. Like, yep. Just ghost children. It's just so sad on top of being so scary. I know. Oh my God. I know. So that's all in, (sighs) that's in one building called the Quaker building that she lives. She doesn't go anywhere else. And they think that she actually lived there and died there in the Quaker building. This building is also where you will find objects being propelled by nothing. And there's a team um, that I think they were just renamed to like Eastern Shore Paranormal. They went in and they actually have recordings of this, of uh, they say a pry bar and various other unknown objects, things that have just like crumbled into nothing, like they don't know what they are, but they've been thrown. They had someone come in to try to determine what the energies were, if they were bad. And she said, leave, whatever this is, it's not good. You need to leave. The other buildings... They found people that uh, they said there was an apparition of a woman in a nurse's uniform. And that person was not even seen by a uh, a researcher or anything, a paranormal investigator. It was by a firefighter, a police officer, and a Marine that all stumbled upon this woman. And they thought that she was someone that was there like reenactment or something. But so she was that clear, that clear. Oh, my God. Yep. This is terrifying. Yep. Yep. If you go into the Mayflower building or uh, the Tinicum building, you'll get audio recordings and you'll get touched. People get touched Uh in that building. No. Yep. Thank you. The Philadelphia building says that uh, they say that you can hear loud sounds and voices coming from the building and it sounds like an intercom system. Um, But... There was no one there but them. Like, so, like, there was no one, there, there was no intercom system, first of all. Um, there was no one else in the building. And the only way to get to that building is through the tunnel. So, then there's uh, the administrative building. 
the even the admin building is haunted like badly like lots of activity they've got uh evps pick up toilet flushing in there um (laughs) which is funny because that building has no running water what yep there's no running water so they don't know what was going on there and then a lot of children's voices being Mm. heard everywhere so the whole place the whole place is this like violently violently active place where you're you're going to see things you're going to feel things but the scariest thing of all the thing that gets me the most is a few years ago someone it was a research team that got permission to come in and do evp recordings and everything they decided to go to the place where they assumed would be the most activity the morgue and the exam room because that's where so much of the torture was happening and they said that they had started a little bit disappointed Because they had the creepy feeling, but nothing was happening until one of the girls went to bend down. She was like, she said she thought she was like scratching her ankle or something. And a red stain started to spread on the floor. She said that (gasps) was it. She just was out. Oh my. Yes. So you can still visit Pennhurst State School. Um, Oh my God. It's one of those places that you apparently don't want to go. And it's a beautiful building. That's the thing. It's like beautiful. You wouldn't imagine that there was so much terror going on there and so many bad things, but you can still visit. And then, of course, the man who owns the main building is running a sideshow pretty much in it. And he's just mocking all the things that happen there. I mean, he's going to get his. Oh, he is. That's what I said. I was like, that man. mm -mm." And he said, even he said that he's gone in there and heard things and seen things and that people just don't know what parts of his attraction are things that he's added or things that are actually there. And that's why he wanted that. Oh, Lord have mercy. Mm -hmm. And I'm sitting here thinking like, I'm not big into the whole like psychic medium and blah, blah, blah. Like I'm not into that whole thing. Cause I, I'm like, mm -mm, no, I don't want to, I don't want to be like pulled into that. But they've had so many of them come out and say, this is bad. This is demonic. There's something demonic here. There's something dark here. This is dangerous. Don't do this. <laughs> He's like, no. I mean. It's fine. That's. I'm good. Oh. Like, it's one story thing to mess with. That was amazing and terrifying. Like, it's mm-hmm. one thing to mess with spirits you know, in general, but when yeah. it's demonic, yeah, that's Ain't doing it. That's not fun. Like that's not something it. to play with. Nope. Not doing no, it. Thank you. So. Oh my God, Aaron. That's it. That's Penhurst. Whoo. I feel that so was, bad for was, those people though. Like, I gosh. know. I know it's awful. Like, I just can't even imagine being a little kid dropped off somewhere like that. I know. And just left. Like, here you go. Have fun. Right? I think the saddest part about all of that stuff was reading the stories from people who had found out because they didn't, a lot of people didn't realize Penhurst was a facility. They had no idea it even existed. And they, as adults, were finding out that they had adult siblings that they'd never met and that they were looking for. Yeah. So and, and they, and they had died in Penhurst. So some of them had died oh, in Penhurst. Sorry to interrupt. Some of them were still alive, 
you can find the records. People, people are still looking for some of the people and looking to learn what happened to their family because of that, because they just didn't know. How many people do, I don't know if you found this or not, or can find it, but how many people were there when they closed it? Do you know, like how many people and what happened? Did they like put them in other facilities? Did they, I know that a lot of the people that one by one, what, what happened? I'm not sure what the process was when they closed it. I know that, that some of the people were transferred to other facilities. Um, some of the people like the truly ill, like the truly ill. Yes. Um, so some of them were, some of them were, you know, brought home to family that didn't know that they even existed. That was one story. Um, a lot of people were struggling trying to get records, especially there was one story of a girl and she never understood why her dad was so off, but, uh, her dad had, uh, struggled with ADHD as a child and was Mm -hmm. put in that home until he was six. And then his parents got him back out. Um, because they decided they, he was okay enough to leave. And it had damaged him so badly that he had blocked most of the memory. So she was looking for the records because he died like shell shocked pretty much from whatever happened. And she was like, what was going on in that facility? What was going on? Um, But I would have to look and see how many people I can look real fast. If you want, let me see. I'm just curious. I mean, I didn't realize that it was open until kind of recent history. I mean, that's just right. Isn't that crazy God. that that happened so like that so stuff recently. that you that stuff that you think happens like it happened in like the late eighteen hundreds, early nineteen hundreds, not as recent as the eighties. Yeah, I mean, that's yep. just insane. Oh wait, let me let me let me update that. It wasn't eighty six. It was December ninth, nineteen eighty seven. That it was officially closed. They were shut down in eighty six, but it officially closed in eighty seven. Um, wow. Yeah. So, but I that's so sad see. that it took almost 30, 30 years from the time of that expose to, yeah, exactly. To finally close it. Like, that's so yeah. sad. That's, that's like a lot of those people's entire lifetime that mm-hmm. it took for them yep. to finally close oh. it. Okay. So, um, by the mid sixties, it had 2,791 people. Most of them were children. Um, Mm. and it doesn't say beyond that, like I, Mm. I would assume after that expose, it started to trickle up because there was, it was an outrage. I mean, they were calling Pennhurst the shame of the nation because they had no idea what was going on. No one knew. And because, you know, people, if you like, look, if you look into the records and like I said, it's all, it's all a matter of public records. You can look at it all, even the brochures that they give people, they made it seem like it was this almost, you know, those cults where you like, they're like, you come here and we'll make sure that you have community and you're given, mm-hmm. you know, instructions on how to live. They, they did that. They told these parents, like, they're going to, they're going to be able to have friends that identify with them. They're going to learn how to take care of themselves through farming and through home ec classes. And they made it out to be like almost like a boarding school. The brochures yeah. are beautiful. They have areas of the hospital that they would let people see and then areas that they wouldn't. So these parents would think like, oh, you know, I can't possibly care for this child because there's something 
wrong with it. So I'm going to bring it somewhere where the child can grow and thrive and, you know, eventually bring it home. Mm -hmm. So I assume a lot of people didn't, they just were completely unaware and they thought they were doing the right thing. Like I would love to, I would love to believe that people were trying to do the best that they could because when it all came out, right. When it all came out there, there is, there are stories about parents going and pulling their kids, you know? Wow. So can you imagine being the parent and and finding finding that, like seeing that expose and be like, Oh my God, this is what I've put my kid in. Right. I can't even imagine what that would feel like. No, I can't even. I can't even imagine. So that's uh, wow. that's what that whole thing was about. That's hardcore, man. It is hardcore. And it sucks. And I honestly, I think the reason that I, like, because there, there are so many asylums here in Pennsylvania. We have a lot of them. Um, and there are spookier ones. I mean, there's the one in York that they call the Seven Gates of Hell because it's so bad. Um, but this one, I feel like it starts... And ends in such a strange way. Like they appealed to the government to like, we need to open this facility because of this. And you know, it'll help take, you know, it'll alleviate the asylums that are for the truly insane. Mm -hmm. And the guy who, who actually opened it is quoted as saying that all feeble minded individuals are potential criminals and should be separated from the general public. And he went at it in such a, like, it was such a manipulative thing. He was like, let's do this to help them. And then he's like, but I hate them and they suck and we should lock them all up. And now we've got this dude who owns it and who's like, I'm memorializing them. But like, by making fun of them, like make fun of them. Like what if these people, like what if these, these spirits or ghosts are, are aware of what's going on and they see it and they're just living that nightmare over and over and over again. Now, like that's all I can think, especially if they're they're children. They do. Yeah. Right. They're seeing these doctors, quote unquote doctors, you know, just torturing mm-hmm. and it's all acting, but still it's just they wrong. I mean, I, it's, yeah, that's it's awful. wrong. That's See, awful. Now I'm fighting for ghost rights. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just, it's not appropriate. The mm-hmm. fact that he's allowed to have that there, that's just not appropriate. And I'm, it's not, it, it disgusts me. Because I think the fact that it's a historical landmark, that should be enough to shut it down. Like right. you're making a mockery of a really devastating time in the history of this right. facility. It's not cool. Exactly. Like, I don't that, like that's it. Just not, I don't like that. If you go, no, I don't like if you go to the event, it's a two hour wait because of how popular of an attraction it is. That's awful. And I'm like, you couldn't pay me to go there. Mm-mm. Couldn't Mm-mm. pay me to go. I would love to go. That's so- not to that. But to go onto the property and just be like, I am so sorry for what you guys have gone through. Like, and you're living it. Yeah. And I, I I have to admit, I want to go and just be close enough that I can hear people scream and then I'm out. (laughs) That's all I I like. like, That'd be enough. That would be enough. Yeah. I'd be like, all right, this is legit. We're done. Thank you so much. I'm sorry what happened to you. I'm, I'm leaving now. Brian, now did you I don't need anybody to come. But yep. yeah, I don't need anybody to be like, you guys should leave. This is a really bad place. Be like, yeah, I can tell by the screams. I know. Well, they say that it's also like it's cold there, and you'll get like nauseous and stuff. So that's uh, no thanks. Nope. That's it. it. That's all I got. That was amazing. Yay! I'm 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 scared. So between Savannah and and Spring City, we're not gonna sleep tonight. Yeah, yeah, exactly. 
So uh, I'm going to put the link to the Ghost Adventures episode in the show notes because nice. it's really good. Nice. I'll give uh, I'll give you the links to put to some of the stuff, especially the EVP recordings and yes. the audio recordings because those are freaking scary. But seriously, guys, just go on YouTube because people go in there and you can like you can go in there with your cell phone apparently and you'll get like orbs and like shadowy figures walking around and whatnot. So Ugh. guess guess who you're not getting those videos from? Me. Me. We're not going to do it. <laughs> we'll, we'll live like We'll just talk about it. Yeah. yeah. We'll talk about we'll it. We'll talk about it. All right. So you guys can get in touch with us. We would love to hear your ghost stories, hauntings, hometown hauntings, <laughs> whatever you yes. want to call them, like weird-ish that's happened to you, anything like that. Like yeah. send us stuff because we want to we want to hear about it. So you can email us at what is girls it? and ghouls podcast dot at gmail dot com. That's yeah. girls and ghouls podcast at gmail dot com. <laughs> and we're also on Facebook. We have a brand new Facebook group. So it's just Facebook dot com slash groups slash girls and ghouls. So go find us on Facebook request to join email us your your stories we would love to hear them um this was way fun and way scary and we're so excited that you guys are here for the very first episode yes thank you and uh we'll get scary again with you next time bye guys bye